Welcome to another inspirational message from City Life Center Church. If you were ever in the area, come visit one of our services. We would love to meet you. Enjoy the message. Good morning, church. How are you? Are you well? Is anybody happy to be in the house of God today? Woo, it's going to be a good day. Turn to somebody next to you and tell them, it's going to be good today. Ready, set, go. It's going to be good today. I believe that I have a word that is intended not to beat you up, but rather to build somebody up today. And uh, I, I believe some people are going to leave here encouraged and empowered. And I want to talk for a few minutes specifically on uh, the core value of our church of influence. Um, each of you have something that you may not realize, and some use it for bad, and others use it for good. And some of you, some of us, don't even realize how much we really do have. But you have a God-given amount of influence. If Jesus is inside of you, the light of God is inside of you, whether you believe it or not, you have influence to impact everywhere you go. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for the opportunity, God, that we have to gather together under the name of Jesus. And I pray in Jesus' name, and I believe that today you're going to open the eyes of the blind. God, that you're going to provide hope for someone who has had none. And God, I pray that someone who walked in here today sick because of the presence of God, that they would leave today healed in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that there is power in the name of Jesus, that chains will fall off, that people will receive vision in the mighty matchless name of Jesus. And it's all for you. It's all because of you. And we pray it all in your name. And everyone said, and everyone who believed it said, amen, amen. God bless you. Hey. Before we go in, we're going to say our, our theme scripture together, and it's going to be up on the screen. Here we go. And I want you guys to, we all say it together as a church, so say it with your big, robust, dynamic, luscious, outside voice. Like luscious outside voice. You ready? Here we go. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient path. Ask where the good way is, and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Are you in? I'm in. Let's go. You may be seated. You may be seated. Does anybody... Um, does anybody have a teacher or professor that they remember instinctively? Any teacher or professor that impacted your life? Okay, a lot of impacted lives here. Um, so I will never forget um, my freshman uh, professor in college by the name of Dr. Bernecker. Dr. Bernecker. Try and say that. Dr. Bernecker. Dr. Bernecker had an impact on my life. So the thing about Dr. Bernecker was she loved literature. No, no, no. She didn't just la love literature. She loved literature. And here's why. I remember one moment getting up to give a, a presentation, and, and other students were giving presentations. And, and as we would read our literature presentations, 
and, and begin to begin to get into the dynamic allegories, Dr. Berniker would give allegorical affirmation. For instance, I'm reading as I walked through the meadow, my toes sloshed, and you would hear Dr. Berniker, Oh! The allegory! Isn't that not weird to you guys? She go, oh, the allegory, uh, and and it, it kind of like felt good, so it made you kind of want to read a little bit, a little bit harder. And, and then I walked and I jumped onto the wagon. Oh, adverb! Woo! And she would literally begin to cheer on the literature dynamics of my speech. And uh, Dr. Bernicke was so affirming. I I, I loved I loved Dr. Bernicke. She uh, she was literally would influence wherever that she walked, wherever she walked, whatever um, situation she walked into. And in the same way, oftentimes in life, we allow the world to influence us rather than us influencing our world. I, I can prove it to you. Um, some of us, we, 95% of us, we live life reactive to what happens to us. Someone talks about us, we react, and we are influenced to be negative. We hear something that we don't want to hear, and it causes our mind to think negative thoughts, and then we feel bad, and then we end up isolating ourselves, being influenced by the world. We allow, oftentimes, the world to influence us rather than us influencing our world. And that's what I want to talk to you today for a few moments about influence. Influence. And the thing about influence is, is it is completely outward. So whenever we begin to focus on how bad we are, all we can see is what's inside, and that leads commonly to depression and anxiety. But when we begin to focus outward, when we begin to look outward and think about influencing our world, then we can live a life of purpose. I wonder who here today wants to live a life of influence, the type of life where you can walk and there's so much light on you, there's so much, uh, there's just so much zeal about you that you just influence every situation you walk into. Even the grocery clerk, the person that's checking you out, how you can influence them and cause a smile to erupt on their face no matter how bad their day's been. When you can walk into the gym and the person scanning your tag, tag, you just have an influence, a bold smile on your face and how you can encourage that person and speak into their life and influence what could be a very, very dynamically rough situation. I want to live a life of influence. I want to read for a moment. Go with me in your Bibles to Matthew 5, verse 14. Matt 5, verse 14. And this is one of Jesus' most famous sermons called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 14, you are the light of the world. Everybody say light. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light, everyone say my light, shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. 
to glorify your Father in heaven. And my question to you today, will you allow your world to influence you? Or are you ready today to make the decision to influence your world? See, for me, I don't want to live the type of life that's haphazard. I don't want to live the type of life that's based off of my emotions or how I feel in the moment. I don't want to live the type of life that doesn't confirm appointments in advance because something else might come up. I don't want to live the type of life that uh, I get to the end of my life and I think, huh, I lived a good life, but I didn't leave anything behind. I want to live the type of life where I impact the world. I want to live the type of life that leaves a legacy. I want to live the type of life that whenever I get around people, I, those people leave better than before they encountered me. I want to live the type of life with light, to be the light of the world. Does anybody want to live like that? Yeah? That's the type of life I want to live. And that's the type of life that Jesus has called us to live, to be the light of the world, to be light. Will you allow your world to influence you? Or will you influence your, your world? Anybody ever heard of YOLO? <laughs> YOLO? So there, there's a rapper came up with this term uh, a few years ago called YOLO. YOLO, which means, uh, how many, does anyone know what it means? What does YOLO mean? You only live once. Yellow means you only live once. And that's what like, a lot of people say, you know, when we're about to go do something. Hey, YOLO. You know, hey, should we go skydiving? Yeah, YOLO. Should we uh, eat this cake? YOLO. You know what I'm saying? YOLO. So uh, YOLO is a often coined term. And YOLO is all about my life and what I can get out of life and living for the moment. But I've decided that I don't want to live a YOLO life. I've re reorganized it for myself, and I chose to live the life called YOLFO. You know about, anybody know about YOLFO? You know what it means? Is you only live for others. When you get the focus off of yourself and how bad your life is, and you get the focus on how you can impact those and the lives around you, all of a sudden, life goes from being full of anxiety and, uh, and just a bit of yuckiness to zeal and purpose. YOLFO life. Anybody want to live a YOLFO life? Only living for others. Uh, I want to uh, tell you a story uh, of someone who kind of lived a youthful life, living um, outwardly, impacting those around and about them. And it's a man by the name of Paul. And uh, in this, this dynamic story, we find Paul with his companion Silas. And Paul and Silas are walking through a, a city that they're ministering in. And all of a sudden, this lady who is, who is a, a fortune teller begins to, to follow them around, it says, for, for, uh, for days, just yelling yelling behind them and just kind of mocking them. So after a while, um, Paul turns around and, and just in this odd, bizarre experience, he, 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 he casts this demon out of this girl, right? And all of a sudden, the girl's happy and she's like, wow, thank you so much. And, and, but that's great for her. But on the other, hand, the other end, the people who owned, owned her, who, uh, who uh, owned her, the little fortune-telling business were ticked off. They were mad about that because they just lost their... Uh, their uh, profit generator. So what they did is they manipulated some sort, of, uh, some sort of plan to get Paul and Silas thrown in prison, not for something they did wrong, but rather for something they did right. Paul and Silas find themselves in prison and in this cell after they had been beaten and, and flogged. 
and this prison cell would have been dark and dank. Some believe that it would have been uh, it would have been f- full of water up to their ankles, and uh, prisoners chained up all along the wall. It would have just been gross and disgusting, and and probably would have smelt worse than anything you can imagine. We find Paul chained to the wall, and and uh, and in this moment, it. The time goes, Scripture says, to about midnight. It's in Acts chapter 9. And the Scripture says, about midnight, Paul and Silas, who were in their darkest moment, began praying and singing hymns to God. So what's the importance of that? About midnight. Huh. What I believe is, for our application is, when the night was the darkest, is when Paul's praise was at its loudest. What I believe for you is whenever your night is the darkest, that's when your praise, your outward focus should be at its loudest. And what's beautiful in this moment is the scripture goes on to say, and the other prisoners were listening. The other prisoners were listening, which is to say when you are going through your darkest moments, there are other people listening. There are other people watching. People aren't interested, you as believers, to see how you react when everything is going good, but they're looking at how you react when everything goes to hell. The other prisoners were listening, and in this moment, it says the the prison doors and the chains shook, and the prison doors flung open miraculously, and and his chains fell off. and, and, And in this moment, we have the prison guard who runs over, I don't know how much time went by, maybe 15 seconds, maybe, maybe 30, runs, runs over and sees the prison door open. And he assumes that the prisoners have escaped. What does that mean for him? I, for him, if, his, if his, uh, his overseer comes back the next morning to find that the prisoners that he was in charge of have escaped, That would mean the next day a moment of public humiliation and even in some cases death. So we find the guard in a moment of desperation. He draws his sword and and holds it to his chest and and is about to thrust it in whenever he hears a voice from the darkness. Wait, wait, Don't, don't give up now. Don't do it. We're all here. Now you imagine the... The, the guard dropping his sword down and looking in and just shocked and perplexed, wondering why all these prisoners would stay. Why were they, why wouldn't they have just all run away? And what I believe is what was so thick and so tangible in that place, what none of those ex- prisoners had ever experienced before was there, and that is the presence of God. The presence of God was evident in that place. And I don't know what happened in the conversation. Maybe it was a five-minute or maybe a three-minute conversation. But the guard goes to Paul and asks, asks him, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? In other words, what do I have to do to get what you have, to get the kind of peace that you have? Because everything was going against you but you're still doing all right. You still seem to be doing all right. That is influence in a dark place. 
friends, you have influence no matter where you are. You don't realize how much influence that you really have. Every interaction with your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, every interaction with your child, your boy, your daughter, every interaction with a fellow volunteer, you have the opportunity to influence someone in a positive direction. You have an opportunity to leave a lasting impact if you can get the focus off yourself and on how you can influence your world. And scripture talks about how they went to the jailer's house. He, he invited them over, and, and he gets to the house, and, and, uh, and he's just so full of passion and zeal, and the light, this light is just on his face that his entire family, his wife and kids, get saved and decide to follow Jesus. And the scripture talks about how this man began to serve Paul and talked about how he was just overjoyed because of the, the joy, and Scripture talks about the joy of his salvation. The joy of his salvation. Anybody remember what it felt like when you first met Jesus? When you first met, met Jesus, it's like every care and fear just melted away. I'm believing today that God is going to restore the joy of somebody's salvation. Let every care, let every fear melt away. Have that passion and zeal just to serve and impact the people around and about you. To live outwardly. To no longer let your world impact you, but to live a life where you impact your world. That's the kind of life I want to live. If the band would join me as, as, uh, as I close. Um, and I'll never forget a story of when I was 12 years old, the first time I ever preached. Would you stand with me? When I was 12 years old, the first time I ever preached, I was about ready to give a five-minute sermon for youth group. My first message ever. And I remember being so incredibly nervous and, and, uh, and just, uh, just shaking the entire day. And I remember about uh, an hour or two before I got up to preach, I went, uh, all of a sudden I felt this like, this rumbling in my stomach, and so so I went behind the the facility, and I was standing there, and and I was just holding my head, and just a little twelve year old boy, and I'm just nervous, and and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I just lean over and I just throw up, I just throw up all over the place, and I'm just like, I start like tearing up. I'm like, oh, I hate this. This hurts. I hate preaching. This is so dumb, and and I'm just frustrated and. And it's, what it was frustrating about it is, like, I, I know that I was called to do it. Um, and I was wondering in my mind, like, okay, I threw up and I felt a little better. But, like, am I, am I going to have to, like, throw up before every time that I preach? And I'm like, no, God, please. And uh, I get up there and I get up on the platform and, and I go and I have my entire manuscript written out word for word. <laughs> I had written out every word, memorized every word, and I remember as I was sharing, I was so incredibly nervous, and, and my hands were shaking, and my voice was trembling as I preached and gave my little five-minute talk. And I got off just with a knot in my stomach, not even remembering a word that I said. But what's different today is my perspective. 
when I was 12, 12 years old, I was so focused on how good I was doing and what I could do and if I could say my words right. But what's different about today is I don't have to shake or tremble anymore because before I get up to preach, I step into the anointing of God. The anointing that's going to change lives and that's going to lift broken hearts. It's no longer about me. It's about the people around and about me. And when I'm focused on the people around me, I don't have to worry about how, how lame I am or how my words come out. All I can focus on is how good God is. Because if God is for me, who can be against me? If you're here today and you're just maybe worried about the future, or maybe there's a dream that you've put off on the shelf, or maybe there's an internal hurt that's got you that's got you down, that's got you discouraged. Guess what? When you step into the anointing, when you let that light shine, the light that's already in you, and you remember if God is for you, who can be against you? No man, no force in hell can stop you. You will be unstoppable. It'll be impossible for you to give up. It'll be impossible for you to surrender to your emotions. And uh, in these moments, I want us to sing this song and shift our focus onto Jesus. Shift, shift our focus on the ones, the one whose performance really matters. If you feel comfortable, would you just lift your hands as a sign of surrender? We're going to sing these words. Oh, what a Savior. listening to this week's podcast. For more information on how you can get involved with City Life locally, text CONNECT to 41411. Again, that's CONNECT to 41411. Or visit us online at citylifecenter.org. We would love to meet you.